heck was that? <laughs> hey, welcome to the Second Breakfast Podcast. This podcast is designed to serve more of God's Word to His people. I'm your host, Tyler Velasic. Joining me is Mike Greiner, the pastor at Harvest Community Church in Western Pennsylvania. Each week, Mike brings a sermon based on 1 Timothy, but what he doesn't get to bring is all of the things which he learned which don't fit into that sermon. So we're here to go deeper on the portions of the Bible from the weekend's message. Since the Bible is food for our souls and the sermon is like a meal, this podcast is like a second meal or a second breakfast. Yeah, now we say go deeper, but that's fancy. But I don't know if it's deeper. Fancy? Because it almost sounds like if you hear the sermon, you go, whoa. There's a mystery hidden deep within. There's deeper. Really, it's wider and more wide-ranging. Because not only can we cover things that that, uh, I learned studying and whatnot, but also things that uh, I think of since then, and you are now the wild card in the equation. Yeah, as a member of the congregation that's listened to the sermon, I get to have my own personal experience with it. You could even surrounding it. Yeah, you could even be a critic. <laughs> so if you're wrong, I get to. If I think you're wrong, perfect I, I'm forum. At you. This is the perfect forum to critique the pastor. Finally, my say, chance. I've been waiting to critique you. You could say that was lame. Totally you lame. totally blew it. Well, this one, um, we're, we, we let me read some verses to you. Ready? Right? We're still in First Timothy, obviously, chapter one, and and. Uh, we're still talking about those 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 false teachers, but then he gets into the law. But I like there's some he's throwing as you young people say he's throwing some shade on the false teachers. You know what that means? Yeah, wow. Because yeah, okay. I listen to you, I pick it up by context. Yeah, which is king context. So meta. I don't know what meta is, <laughs> but okay. So for some men straying from these things, verse six of chapter one, have turned aside to fruitless discussion. Oh, I'm reading New American Standard, aren't I? Oh, and you're yeah, reading my... ESV. Well, I'm gonna stick with New American Standard. I'm sorry, I was looking go ahead, at go a different ahead. translation. This is where I'll critique you for using the wrong. Okay, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they did not understand either what they were saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. I love it. That's throwing shade, ain't it? It is. Yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. For all intents and You purposes. want to be a teacher of the law. You don't know what you're talking about or mm-hmm. about the things in which you think you know what you're talking about. They're making confident assertions, and they're morons. Pedantic, yeah. Whoa, pedantic. Yeah, that's that's what pedantic means. It means pretending like you know what you t- you're talking about when you don't know. Well, I'm, so you could, uh, I think you, I do that. Yeah. You could, no, wait. You could say pedantic while being pedantic. Deep. These are the. This podcast does have deeper things now that I think about. Where else do you get that? Uh huh. An English lesson. Okay. So, verse eight. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for the. Now, here before I go on, I want you to notice that it looks to me sometimes like Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is a stream of consciousness writer. Yeah. Yeah. He's sticking pretty much with these men who are false teachers. They turn aside to to fruitless discussions. They want to be teachers of the law. But then he says, okay, let's talk about teaching the law. Well, we know the law is good. And then he says, if one uses it lawfully, and then he talks about the right use of the law. Well, actually, he doesn't talk about right use of the law. He just says, use it lawfully. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives a hint. He says, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious. For the ungodly, the sinners, the unholy, the profane, those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers, or 
Now, mine here has kill. Yours has mm-hmm. what? Does it say kill fathers and mothers? Mine just says to strike your father and mother. Yes. Yes. Um, Which I've done neither. You have not. To my to my credit, I mean, you don't always <laughs> measure up to the Bible to the Bible but standards. But you're way ahead here. I have not struck or killed my mother or father. Yeah, I it, I wonder why the New American Standard translates that uh, kill um, instead of strike. Um, that is weird. Okay, so, but I I remember it's been a while since I wrote this sermon. Um, because we didn't get the podcast up going as fast as I wanted. And I'm almost certain it was a word that meant like striker. However, um, there's another word here that I, I, I think, and I'm looking at it right now as we talk. Get this. How about this word? Um, it, it pronounced something like this. I don't pronounce Greek well. Okay. All right. Well, you've tried so far in, like, in the past of uh, almost every one of our podcasts so far. It doesn't mean I'm saying it lesson. right. I'm not, and, but there's no one who speaks Koine Greek alive because it's, it was, but it's very similar to modern Greek, but it was the common Greek of the realm and, and no one uses it. But I think you'd say it like this. Patrolo, patrolo, P-A-T-R, I'd say O-L-O. A-I-S, patrol, if I had to move it to English letters, uh, patrolos, patrolaeus, and the other word is metrolaeus. So if you were to say these, it would flow nicely, patrolus, matrolus, um, and, and that's what's being um, translated mother killers and daddy killers. Oh, wait, so is that like patricide? Yes, like uh, yes, like genocide, homicide. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's a it's a right. It's a noun. Uh, it, it, who gets killed? Uh, who's it done to? It's a mother, mother killed, daddy kill, um, which isn't nice, you know. But I've I've seen other translations that say no. It should be mother striker, father striker. So I guess mm-hmm. it, these Greek scholars don't always get along. Nevertheless. I think you've already pointed out that you have killed neither your mother nor your father. Right. Have you struck them? I have not. No, I maybe. Okay. When I was like two or three, okay. I probably hit back. Okay. So you were justifying your sin. You are a mother striker. I was ignorant. In my ignorance, I was a mother striker. <laughs> you are a mother striker. Mother striker. And then striker. it goes on. Or for murders and immoral men. And then, uh-oh, here's that word you're not allowed to talk about. Homosexuals. And kidnappers and liars and perjurers or whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, The glorious gospel of the blessed God to which I've been entrusted. So, okay. To survey this very large uh, section of text here, he's saying, look, some some people have turned aside to myths because they want to be teachers of the law, but they're morons. They don't know what Mm -hmm. they're talking about, even though they're very confident about it. The law is... Good if you use it lawfully, but that means, um, according to Paul, that um, you know who to use it on. You don't just whip up a can of law and sick it on anybody. You got to whip up a can of law on the right persons. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Well, not a can, but do you see? Look at the text yourself, uh, Tyler. Do you see that in verse 8? He says, we know the okay. law is good. If you use it lawfully. And then look, he says, realizing the fact that the law is not made for who? 
righteous persons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the right so the righteous person, the righteous person would only be Jesus because there's no one righteous on the earth. No, not one. <laughs> but the only the only righteous person th- is Jesus. Yeah, I, you're you're making a very good point. I don't think he's going there where you're going though. The only righteous person is Jesus until you get saved. Oh. Now there's so there's Jesus and Tyler, mm-hmm. two righteous people, and anyone else who got saved. Room for one more. We're going to assume his mother. Okay. Because she got Aww. saved. That warms my heart. <laughs> Not in a Catholic way where she was always saved. Uh, all right. So, okay. So, so the thing that I'm thinking about this is that, like, normally the Bible sets the bar pretty... Just, wait, before you go there, oh, go just in case there's any uptight people who never let you say anything wrong, I was... I understand that every single Christian who has faith in Christ is righteous, and that's more people than you... And Jesus's mother. I want you to know that. That's, that's millions and millions of people. Go on. Okay. Amen. So, okay. Normally, the Bible's bar is set pretty high, and I feel like it, I don't always make it. But in this text, you know, I'm re- I'm reading through this, and I'm thinking that, like, you know what? I, I mean, I'm not an enslaver. I've actually that's that's one biblical thing that I can I I think. Oh, so I you're can, looking at this list, and you're saying. How did I do? Did I pass? Did I fail? Yeah, because it makes it look pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Are you um, are you a homosexual? Well, I've never practiced it. <laughs> so okay. Maybe that's why I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not good at it. Maybe I just got to okay. practice. Yeah, practice. Thank you. Are you a kidnapper? I'm not. Like, yeah. Are you a perjurer? Have you lied under oath? I, I don't think so. I've not, Have you I'm ever not, killed I've your mother or your father? Me. Not once. Okay, yeah, I, so I feel like I kind of do okay with yeah, well, some of these. Okay, good. Right? I appreciate that, but you're completely blowing the whole thing, and you're wrong. And I'll tell <laughs> you why. But but first, before we do, I'm okay, <laughs> I'm having I'm a lot of pop, fun here. Come back to that. Let, let, let me let me point this out though. He's saying the law is for those people, not the okay. righteous. Which so I'm going to lay a question out, not answer it, because I'm going to go to your question. Um, but the question is this: Does that mean that Christians don't need the law at all? Because they're righteous. Mm. Just hold that question. Let's go back to yours. You wow. were pointing out that this list makes people look particularly bad. Um, most commentators that I read would say that this is a retelling of the Ten Commandments, especially the second half of the Ten Commandments. I've heard that that you're really saying don't bear false witness. Um, you're seeing. Um, well, they would say the the killing of the mother and the father, or mother and father striking, is 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 an extreme way of saying you're not honoring your mother and father. Because if you strike yeah. them, you're not honoring them. You have um, uh, murder; thou shalt not kill, and uh, you have sexual sins. The immoral man and the homosexual; those were sexual sins, um, bearing false witness. Kidnapping would be the ultimate form of stealing. Uh, and we also know from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave that if you do these in your heart, in different degrees, you're already guilty. So you may not have committed adultery or these sexual immoralities, but if you had in your heart lusted with your eyes and your mind, you already did them. If you've already been ticked at your mom and wanted to kill her or at least were very angry at her, you already committed murder against your mother. So you, in fact, are uh, what's known as a mother stabber. Tyler, the mother stabber. Mother striker. Mother striker. 
the father killer. You're a father killer oh, in your heart. So, so really, this is for people who who, who break the Ten Commandments, um, and that's everybody until they come to know Christ. So the law is for them, um, which leads me. I already have that one question hanging. Does this mean that Christians don't need the law at all? But a, a second question it leads to uh, about the letter itself is why does Paul list all these out? Why doesn't he just say the law is for the right is not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless person? Why does he have to list these sins out? And you to don't let you know that you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I, because I mean, so given that this is uh, similar to the 10 commandments, he has to bring up the 10 commandments and say like, if you've ever broken one of these, you've broken all of them. And, 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 and we've all broken them all uh, in some one form or another. So, um, now let's go back to the first question. I didn't answer the second, but let's ask the first again. Why does this mean the Christian doesn't need the law? Or maybe you could ask another way. Is there a positive use of the law for the Christian? Mm. And what does he mean? The law is only made for the unrighteous person. So the unrighteous person, we know from, from other places... I don't think Paul develops it here. I think he just throws this out there. But but he, we know from his teaching in Romans and Galatians that he actually develops for us a theology of why the law exists uh, or the teaching of the law, what it does. It doesn't justify anyone. No man is, ju- is justified by the teaching of the law because no man is justified by the keeping of the law. Mm-hmm. So, so the law isn't given so you'll be good, which is revolutionary. You talk to almost anybody, they're going to say, uh, who doesn't know Christ, if you be good, God's going to be happy with you. And if you, some would even say, in order to get to heaven, I've got to follow the Ten Commandments. Follow the Ten Commandments. And that's not going to work. So then why did God give uh-huh. the Ten Commandments? And we already know, well, maybe we don't, so I'll point it out. Paul, um, let, let me read from Galatians. Can I read from Galatians? Please. Thank you. Galatians 4, 1 to 6 says this, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his of his, of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That clears up nothing at all, by the way. That only makes things more confusing because I took it out of context. But his point is this. Look, if you have a child or a slave, um, in I guess in a wealthy household, they both are treated similarly because they're children. They're told when to get up, when to go to bed, when to go to school. And there's attendance in a wealthy place. You'd, you'd assume who can guardians and managers, as Paul says, who will drag them off to school or drag them out of bed or buy them their clothes or whatever it is. I'm not from Rome or from a rich Roman household in the first century. But the point is that you treat the child of the slave and the, and the child of the heir or, or the heir alike. But when one of them turns 18, he owns the place or whatever age is maturity there. Um, but the training of a child. And he's actually saying that the law is like the training of a child. It has a use, but not forever in someone's life. If you're an heir, if you're going to be a child of God, the law actually has a very good use in your life. It leads you to maturity, to, to take his 
what his little picture there. How is that? Because it, it shows you the righteous standard of God and you don't fit it, which should cause you, cause you to cry out and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's when you're introduced to, to forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. Well, then the law is no longer needed because now you're made righteous. This is a Pauline way of looking at the use of the law to lead you to salvation. So th there's not a new theme. Paul's um, in Galatians 3, he says, but the scripture is shut up everyone under sin so that by the promise of faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. That's another picture. You were under arrest <laughs> until the gospel came. You were shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, our teacher. So the law has a this positive function in the life of the unbeliever who's going to become a believer. Uh, pretty abstract stuff, huh? Okay. Are you following that? I... I'm following. I'm following you. Okay, so, so the law is there. I mean, I've heard it a thousand times. The law is there to show you where you're wrong. It's there to show you, look, you're not as good as you think you are, right? Yeah, and then and then you need salvation. Now, I, I, I wonder though if we don't push that too far. I've heard um, the way of the master. You ever heard the way of the master? No. Kirk Cameron and that other dude with a funky accent. I can't remember. The other dude. The other dude. He's like an Australian. They're cool dudes. You know, they're Christian mm -hmm. dudes. And they teach people how to preach the gospel. And they always start with the Ten Commandments. Okay. Because they believe that if you start with the law, you can help bring someone to grace. And it, and you see them do it. They do it on, on they, they film it, or they video it now. No one uses film. And and they'll be talking. They'll be on a beach or something. Why do people always witness on beaches? You know why? You're happy. Because evangelists want to be at the beach. <laughs> You know, there's people yeah. in Minnesota waiting for someone to witness to them, and all the doggone campus crusaders and witnesses are at the beach. They're going to the beach. I mean, I mean, come on. If you could write it you're off, going say, to hey, we're going to go. Which proves this. If you're in Minnesota, you're probably going to go to hell. Because Kirk Cameron's not there to witness Kirk to Because Kirk Cameron will not witness to you unless you go to the beach. But in any case, nor will a campus crusader for Christ member. They only witness at beaches. At beaches. Um, <laughs> in any case. Smart so the, they go something like this. They go up. They talk to a. Uh, uh, a poor law center. They say, okay. hello, poor law center. Right. And the poor law center. Yeah, poor law center says, yes. Can we, and they begin engaging them in spiritual matters. And then they say, uh, they get them to admit that, that you got to be good, you know, because that's easy. People say, I have to be good to get to heaven. Okay. And then they say, well, do you keep the Ten Commandments? And they go, sure. I never killed anyone. I don't, you know. Well, and then they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, Jesus said, if you've ever been angry, you know, you have. Oh, and I guess I have. Um, are you a liar? They'll say, oh, no, I'm not a liar. Have you ever lied? Yes. Oh, what do you call someone who lies? Oh, I guess you're right. That's I'm a liar, liar, huh? So they get them, and then at the end, they get saved. Uh -huh. And there's like a revival wow. meeting every single time. And they teach you that this is the only way to share the gospel. Okay. I think it's pushing it too far. Too far. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I think it's too narrow of a reading of Paul. Um, if you systematize it like that. I think Paul has is, is actually got a bigger thing in mind. He is... I think he's talking about all of human history, not just every individual person's experience who's getting saved. Um, he he's he puts time on that. He says, before faith came, we were kept in custody. He seems to be speaking of humans collectively being shut up to the faith that was later to be revealed. Um, 
he he speaks about the gospel coming at the right time. In fact, if you were to read into chapter two of Timothy, um, he he talk, he says, "For there is one God, one mediator between God and man." the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. Paul also says in Acts at, at, the, at, at Mars Hill, um, he says at one point, he says, um, in, in ages past, uh, God overlooked your sin, but now God calls everyone, all men everywhere to repent. He has this, he does seem to teach this idea that within history, there's a time, a proper time for Christ to come, and that changes everything if you will and and could he um, could he be saying look uh, when we look at galatians the, the the there's a time when the law was a tutor uh, for all mankind and then there's a time for grace and and i don't say that to say that there's no place for the law in reaching a lost person today i do say that to say this is it, I think we're stretching things too far if we say you cannot lead someone to christ without first walking them through the Ten Commandments and convincing them overtly of their guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard people say, well, then why would they want to be saved unless they feel guilty? Look, people feel guilty without going through the Ten Commandments. I got saved without anyone taking me through the Ten Commandments. I think Paul himself got saved without Jesus taking him through the Ten Commandments. He knew them, but well, he didn't it, tell it, him. Yes, well, of course, Paul could teach them. I'm thinking of the Gentiles. Like me. Okay. Right? Who Kirk Cameron might have approached if I was on the correct beach in my lostness. Mm-hmm. And I, I I got saved, but no one ever walked me through and showed me, look, you're a liar. Look, you're a murderer. In fact, the person who preached the gospel to me, I didn't even get saved at the time because remember, I was mm-hmm. gradual. Slow. It wasn't all in one moment. She just said, you know all the bad things you do? I said, yeah. <laughs> She says, "Well, if you receive Christ, He'll take them. He'll He'll wash them all away." That was it. Simple. I That's wouldn't. Simple, man. I wouldn't call that teaching of the law. I wouldn't call that her saying, First commandment, mm-hmm. thou shalt have no other gods before me." Second commandment, and so on. Yeah. So, I, I agree with the principle that that Kirk Cameron and the guy with the cool accent mm-hmm. have. I don't agree with the application. I don't think it's always necessary. You think about Zacchaeus up in the tree. Remember okay. Zacchaeus in the tree? Yeah. What's the story of Zacchaeus in the tree? Oh, man. Just the little guy. Couldn't see Jesus. All he wanted to do is see Jesus, so he Could, climbs up the tree. Yeah. And why know? couldn't he see Jesus? For he was a wee man. He was a wee little man. That's in the song. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. It says he's short or of stature or something. Yeah. Unless you're reading the Scottish wee. translation, which says, Oh, he was a wee little man. He was a wee little lad. <laughs> yeah. He was a wee boy. Um, but yeah, he's a wee little man. Mm-hmm. So he's a wee little man, and he climbs up a tree to well, see Jesus. Why can't he see him? Why can't he just run a up to a crowd? Him? Right? Can't Jesus see short people? Uh, well, There's a crowd. <laughs> Jesus, he looked right over him. Jesus refuses to look down. <laughs> down here. I don't look at short people. No, that's not true. There was a big crowd, right? So he runs so up he a tree. Okay. Which shows what about him? He's ambitious. <laughs> he is. And short people climbing trees. It's farther to fall. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's got some guts. He can bounce right back. <laughs> he, he climbs on up, and then what happens? Then uh, Jesus sees him, and he says, Zacchaeus, what are you doing in that tree? 
get out of that tree. Come down here. And then isn't he the, the one he goes to Zacchaeus' house? Yeah. Afterwards. He, he, he said, says, hey, invite me over. Kind of. Yeah. He invited himself to. He says, come down for, for today. I must eat at your house. And Zacchaeus' reaction was? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. You bet. He's down on <laughs> yeah. that tree in no time. Now, we don't know how much conversation went on from the time coming down from the tree until the time Zacchaeus said this. But then Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give, and then he, he did some math. I think it was half my four goods times. to the poor, and anyone I stole from, I'll give them back four times, four times. Yeah. which is repentance, right? Yeah. He, he thinks about his sin, and he undoes his sin. Should we assume that Jesus walked him through the way of the master then? I guess he didn't. It, or him, he just he said, my way. Mm-hmm. Let's go through my way. Are you a liar, Zacchaeus? No, I'm not a liar. Have you ever told a lie? Yes, I did. Oh, I guess you're right, Jesus. I am a liar. Uh, no, he didn't do that. He's he's told him to come out of that tree, and I'm coming to your house. Yeah, now I want you to I'm not a critic of the way of the master. Mm-hmm. I may sound like it, but I'm really not. I think that's fine. I mean, I'm not the guy who criticizes. If you can find a good way to tell people the gospel, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, more power to you. I'm right there with uh, with the Moody quote, which I which he's is often repeated. I don't even know what the original episode was, but it was quoted that some woman criticized Moody's method of doing evangelism. He says, "I don't like it much myself." What's your method? And she said, "I don't have one." And he said, "I prefer the one uh, I have to the one you don't have." And and I'm with him. I'm not the guy who criticizes the four spiritual laws or even the way of the master. I'm talking about it theologically, though. Is it necessary to preach the Ten Commandments to someone for them to be saved? I say no. I think the knowledge of sin is in their heart. There may be some times where you need to, or it may be an avenue. Um, but but there are guilt. I know a, a young lady who um, quit doing drugs. At the moment she was saved, she had one of these road to Damascus mm-hmm. experiences. Okay. And I asked her, I said, hey, why, you know, not everyone was able to just walk away from drugs so quickly. Some people, even after they become Christians, they struggle. What happened with you? And she said, you know, when, when I received Christ, I knew that my shame was gone because my sins were forgiven. And, and I know I want to do drugs. She didn't need someone walking her through the Ten Commandments. She confessed, I was doing drugs because I felt guilty. (laughs) You know, so the law, it's not that the law isn't working on her. It's that the law doesn't always necessarily need to be articulated in its full Exodus glory for someone to feel guilt. I mean, don't we all hide? Don't we all have shame? We all know we're guilty. Yeah, it's it's definitely... uh, common human trait that we all have right you don't have to have somebody tell you to feel guilty it's in there yeah so why what is paul getting at then i think this is a is a, is a bit of a challenge he doesn't give us me as as, um, uh, as many details as i uh, would like and i'm not criticizing god he writes exactly what he wants in the bible and i'm glad it says no more than it does but it does cause me to say what does he mean by a proper teaching of the law here, I'm going to give you the bottom line that I pretty much gave in the sermon, but just um, for so that we can know where I'm going, and then uh, we can discuss that. Uh, the The person who comes to know Christ does not need someone telling him rules, because he's going to think, "I'm going to be please God by keeping by rules. Doing the rules," and yeah. it will become legalistic. Right? Legalistic is not having rules rules 
You can have rules in a Christian society, in a church, in a home, and not be legalistic. Legalism comes when you practice or teach, imply, have the impression that keeping those rules adds to your righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think, I'm going to say what, uh, I'm 90% sure what Paul's getting at here. 90% because he doesn't tell us exactly. But knowing his theology of the law and grace, um, he says, you know, salvation isn't to the one who works, but the one who does not work. We're under grace, not under law. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He's saying it's it's wrong to teach Christians the law as if they're supposed to practice the law in order to be righteous. The law is made for the unrighteous. It, it, it's a tutor. It's a good thing. It shows them. He's not trying to give us, I think, a curriculum practice. Therefore, make sure you find sinners and teach them the Ten Commandments. He's saying the purpose of the law is to help the unrighteous person see their need. Not necessarily setting out exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I've, I didn't realize it in that light. So the law is laid down for the lawless. And being that we're Christians, being that we believe in Jesus and we have Jesus, we are no longer lawless. So we still have the law to follow, but it's not the law that saves us. So that law is still relevant to us, but it's not the thing that binds us to Jesus. So if someone jumps up exactly in the church and starts teaching something that looks like law. Mm -hmm. And that must be something like what these false teachers were doing. You got to tell them to knock it off. They're making confident assertions. I heard uh, um, a friend who said, look, my mother, who's a Christian, uh, is really into eating certain foods and not other foods. Mm -hmm. um, why? Well, because, is it because it makes her holy? No, no, no. But she's been watching this preacher on TV who told her that, that God really doesn't want us to eat crustaceans and whatnot. And I said, you sure it's it's Christian? Because that sounds like uh, Jewish. Yeah, Jewish kosher, dietary mm -hmm. laws. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a Christian, but... He believes that God wants us to be pure, and that's why he made those dietary laws. So he was dancing around grace, but let's face it, that I think that's exactly the kind of legalism that could hurt a person. They're thinking, I'm more holy when I don't eat crustaceans. And the Bible's really clear that all foods were declared clean. Mm -hmm. it, it's explicit, even. It's said right out loud Yeah, do that, that all foods are declared clean after that vision to Peter. Which had to be a big thrill to Peter. You know, Peter once uh, had trouble and Paul would actually rebuke him because he, though he knew he could eat anything, he was afraid uh, at one point of the society of, of Jews who were also Christians who were legalistic. And they would, they would say like, hey, what are you doing? We and were so told he, not to do this. Yeah, he would only eat. And he wouldn't eat with those Gentile believers and their bad food. Um so that meant it was getting ingrained in a little society that you you have these rules and you have to keep them. And Paul got it in his face and said, don't do that. You know better. And if I were Peter, I think I would always choose a world in which I could eat shrimp and pork chops to always. a world when I could not eat shrimp always. and pork chops. Yeah. I mean, bacon and eggs is better than bacon and cheeseburgers are better than burgers. And so all these things would be lost to him. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have a second breakfast because he couldn't have a proper first breakfast. Oh, I don't wow. Think. I mean, no bacon and eggs, just eggs. 
oh, what a hard life. You know, bagels and locks, it's okay. That. But you're mm. still having fish for breakfast. It's better to have bacon. Yeah. So that that's neither here nor there. But what is interesting is that Christians from the beginning have had a way of setting up legalistic systems. When, when I was first saved, a lot happens when I was first saved. I did a lot of learning then because I went to different kinds of churches. And um, I learned by experience. One place told me I couldn't listen to any rock and roll, oh, even man. Christian, even that that blazing hot cool band Petra. <laughs> that's a, that's before my time. <laughs> I know it was. It, it that's a good thing. I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, I like Petra, but they could be listening to this podcast. Hey, I love this. Go guys from Petra, but it was. It was all the hard rock you could get from, like, the Partridge family. Um, <laughs> do you know those? Uh, well, I, I'm dating myself there, too, aren't I? I've seen cave paintings of the Partridge family. Oh, cave. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've run out of time, and I'm, I feel kind of bad because we didn't get to talk about, uh, about the rebellious, the ungodly, the unholy. So let me end on this. Before we're—the church is made up of X— lawless people of ex rebellious people of ex ungodly of ex sinners of ex unholy of ex profane of ex mother beaters and father beaters and mother killers and father killers of ex murders of ex immoral of ex homosexual of ex kidnapper of ex liar in other words this is not a description of those awful people who uh were never me or you they christ died to save sinners uh, he came to save sinners not saints so um, in the church, when people have been left that behind, you got to treat them with respect enough to teach them grace. They've left that behind. Um, they don't need to be beat around the face and neck with law. And, and that's the proper use of the law. But the law is good. Uh, it's an expression of God's holiness. And that's for its good. There's wisdom in learning the law. There's wisdom in thinking about it. Um, it does have a use for the Christian. And I, and we have to be careful to think that God, Paul is saying, hey, you don't even read the law. And he's definitely not saying that. He's saying, obviously, it's being misused, and there's a lawful way to use it. He mentions it's not for the righteous person, but I don't think by that you should read in and say, well, that means a righteous person should never read the book of Leviticus um, or can never uh, gain insight or wisdom from meditating on God's law. The opposite is true. Um, we want to make sure we understand what this verse says, but we don't want to read more into it than is there. Mm. Uh, I shoved that all in at the end because I don't want this to, podcast to end without yeah. pointing that out. Yeah, you know, that's it. that really is uh, kind of revolutionary. You consider the other, the other roles that religions have, and these set of roles are the things that are going to get you to heaven or to whatever your ultimate destination is. And every other religion has their set of roles and then heaven. But... Christianity doesn't have that set of roles and then heaven. We have grace and then heaven. That's awesome. And it's, and it's revolutionary. It's completely different. It's uh, like the our law. Like, okay, so, you know, a Muslim's law or any other religion's law is there and it's laid down for Muslims. Muslim's law are laid down for Muslims, but our laws are now no longer laid down for us. I, I think that's, laid down for us. that's brilliant. I love the way you just put that. That was really good. good. You should write Thank that you. down. I want to repeat it if I could. So you're saying in most religion, the way it works is you keep the law, law, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. And then boom, you get whatever they promise. Heaven, yeah. Nirvana, um, 
commemorative trophy from Buddha or whatever. Your own planet. Your own planet if you're a Mormon. The um, But the Christian way is just the opposite. It actually frees you yeah. from the thing everybody else thinks wow. they got to stay in. It says that was for childhood. That's revolutionary. <laughs> That's for childhood. That's childishness. That's slave children yeah, you're done. are under the law. You're a son. You're not a slave. Yeah. You're a, you're free from that, and because Christ has set you free by fulfilling the law Himself, and uh, well said. I like that. Well, you said it. Of course, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> I better like it. You better like. It. Okay. Well, that's a good way to end. Hey, listen. Um, we do have a email address if you want to email any questions or comments, and that is that is M T M is in Mike T is in Tyler Second Breakfast at gmail.com gmail and um if you want to hear uh any of the sermons that go uh, from which this podcast is leaping out of mm-hmm. you could go to go to harvestpa.org pa as in pennsylvania the great <laughs> keystone state all right well, now may the god who made bacon mm-hmm. and proved his love for you by making bacon it is a gift of grace amen and other delicious foods May he bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.